Aloha Mission Church. Uh, welcome, and I'm so grateful that I get the wonderful privilege to be with you today. <clears throat> today, I uh, get the wonderful privilege to preach this message to you in our sanctuary. And uh, I, I want you to know that this is something I don't take for granted. And uh, it, it, it's impacting me even now as I get to bring this message to you. That uh, as I was serving in Hawaii, as I planted the Bridge Church there, I was there for 20 years. We met in a school cafeteria. And, uh, and we set up every Sunday morning uh, for church. We put out the chairs, we set up the altars, um, the sound system. Everything was, had to be put out every single Sunday and taken down. And so meeting outside uh, face-to-face with the congregation was something that was very natural and normal for me to do, and, and I felt very comfortable in that setting. And, um, but, but this is our first Sunday back in the sanctuary, and so after 20 years of being a pastor, this is the first time I am actually preaching a sermon in a sanctuary where I am the pastor. And uh, i got to tell you, it... Um, it is not lost on me, the, the blessing that that is. And uh, for many years, I prayed that the bridge, for the Bridge Church when I was there that God would provide a place for us, our very own. And uh, I feel like today God has answered that prayer for me to be able to be here. And I want you to know how fortunate I feel today. Um, Today, I am beginning a brand new sermon series that I'd like to share with you. It'll probably be for about four or five weeks. And uh, it's the the series is about authenticity. And and today, my message is just about what it means to be an authentic church. And uh, this this word, authentic, um, is, is an important word for the church today because the sociology, those experts... Who, who understand generations say that um, Generation Z and the Millennials, one of the things that they prize the most about a church is its authenticity. And uh, it makes the church attractive to, to them. But I think the truth is that all people appreciate authentic, authenticity in, in, in the church. And uh, I know I do. And uh, that's part of the reason why I'm here today. Uh, the process that I uh, went through uh, to, to uh, come become the pastor here at this church had some beautiful moments of authenticity. And uh, I, I've shared the story with you, and it's worth repeating. I'd love to, to just kind of share it with you again, just uh, for those who've never heard it, and to remind us about this beautiful a message of what it means to be authentic. Um, when I was first approached to allow my name to be a part of the search for a uh, mission uh, to find a new pastor, I, I was very hesitant and, and I was very um, content in serving where I, I, I was at Point Loma Nazarene University. And, um, and so when they asked me, I initially said I was not interested in, in being a part of the search process. But uh, I, I, I was asked to pray about it and, and, and also to fill out uh, the questionnaire, which I did. But still in my own heart, you know, I, I didn't have um, an inkling that I would ever be standing here before you today. 
And uh, when, when the church board met and they looked at all the names and they, we, we, uh, I was going to say, they withered it down, whittled it down to the top five, <clears throat> the district superintendent called me and asked if I would come and meet the church board. At first I was reluctant, but he assured me that this would be something that was good because if I came to meet with the board for the interview, um, they would know whether or not I would be someone they would want to pursue and I would know whether or not this would be something that I would want to do. And so both ways it would be good. It would be the start of something beautiful or the end of something. And I said, okay, this is a good thing. And so I came to the interview and uh, in my mind and in my heart, um, my thought the whole time was, uh, if you think you're interviewing me, you got it wrong because I'm here to interview the church because I really wanted to know what kind of church this was. And when I came to the interview, I still had in, in my own heart um, the impression that this was not the place I was going to be. But at that interview, in that space that uh, we met, um, something changed in me. That's where it all began to change in me. Um, after the church board asked me you know, all the questions that they, they wanted to ask about the interview, process for me, I said, this is my chance, and now I get to ask the questions, and so I, I asked um, the church board some questions, um, and, um, and the, the, the first question I asked was, was I think it was a fair question, it's a good question, <clears throat> and for them it was kind of a heavy question, uh, says, uh, I asked, what is the health of Mission Church? And as I asked that question, there was an awkward silence. And a couple of the board members looked to one another to see how they would answer that question. And, and what I appreciated so much about that very moment was that the response wasn't the painting of a flowery picture and, and, and telling me all of the highlights and the great things about Mission Church. And, and instead, um, they, they were honest with me. And... Uh, and that really was something beautiful to me. They did say that pre-COVID, the um, attendance was right about 600. No, I'm just kidding. They didn't say that. Because <laughs> that would be inauthentic, right? Here's what they did say. They did say that when I asked the question, what's the health of Mission Church? After a, a, a short pause, one of the board members says, um, we're not where we want to be. And uh, we're working on trying and getting to be healthier. And we've gone through some really hard times. We've lost some families through this time. And, uh, and, and it's, it's hurt us. And that's the truth. But I also want you to know something. And this is really what captured my heart. They said we've been, the whole church has been praying and fasting for the past four months, and we're preparing ourselves for whoever God has to come here. And when that person comes, we will be ready to move forward. Wow. That, that spoke volumes to me because their response to me was authentic. It was real, and it was honest. And authenticity is really attractive in the church. Now, we all agree that authenticity is important, 
and, and it's important for our church to be authentic. But what, what does being authentic mean, right? How do we know that we are living in authenticity? Uh, is there a consensus among different groups of people about what authenticity really means and what it looks like in the life of the church? Because I'm sure that there is a wide range of answers for what it truly means to be an authentic church. And I think that there really needs to be an anchor point, a place where we come to, where we can gather around, and regardless of who you are and what age you are and you know the differences that we have, we can look in and say, this is what it means to be authentic. Because otherwise, that we're all chasing after a definition that is unique to ourselves. Because some people say that um, authenticity is expressing the true you, right? Or the real you. And there's a, there's a problem with that, I think. Um, and that problem is that that answer is very subjective to what the real, uh, the true you or the real you is, right? And, um, and that kind of leans towards the whole aspect of being, uh, of relativism. And that relativism means what is right for me has to be okay with you and with everyone else because that's me. And I don't think that that's, um, th- that's really authentic <laughs> of, of what we're trying to get at anyway. And then on the other end of the spectrum, um, the other end of the spectrum, um, those who say that being authentic in the church means to follow the traditions of, of the church that has been passed down and, uh, and we need to do the things that, that were, have always been done before in the past. And that, that kind of leans towards fundamentalism. And so those are the, the, the polar opposites of, of uh, the opposing sides of the church. And you know what the interesting thing is? Both sides believe that they're truly being authentic. And so I began to think about this and I said, you know, maybe it'd be good for us to look up what the definition of authentic is. And, and so I, I Googled it okay, because Google has all the answers, right? The Internet's always right. No, it's not. But this answer, this definition that I got from Google was very, very helpful. So I want to share the the definition that Google gave of what the word authentic means. And the word authentic, the definition of it is, of undisputed origin and genuine. Of undisputed origin and genuine are the definitions of what it means to be authentic. That definition doesn't fit well with relativism or fundamentalism on either side, but it does give us a great place to start looking at what it means to be authentic in light of what the Bible has to say. And so, as believers, as people who look at the Bible and put our faith in that, as believers, we join together and we know our undisputed origin, right? That's the definition of what it means to be authentic. Our origin comes in Genesis chapter 1 in the story of creation. And so, I invite you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 and, uh, and, and we can read about creation from the very beginning of, of how God created the heavens and the earth, but we're looking at what it means to be authentic people and because the people who are, the, are what makes up the church and so let's look at the, 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 the creation of humanity in verse 26. It says, Then God said, 
Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then in verse 31, it concludes this way. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. Wow. So that's the story of creation, our origin, right? Uh, and, and, and we can glean so much from understanding what it means to be authentic people in light of, in light of how we were created and, and our, our definition for authenticity um, is, you know, uh, the, uh, of undisputed origin. What we cannot dispute in the Bible is where we came from. And I, and I love the picture of what we're looking at as God created humanity. And from the definition that we get from Google, and from the verse we get from the Bible, authenticity then is not about how we feel. It's about living out the reality of the identity of our origin. And we are God's prized creation made in His very image. Mm. I, I, I think that's so important for us to take hold of and to grasp that, that authenticity then lives and, and finds its fulfillment in relationship when we look through the lens of this passage. Relationships are what fulfill, what, what it really truly means to be authentic. Because God created Adam and Eve in His own image to be in relationship with them. And God <clears throat> um, uh, didn't create anything else to have this, this sacred gift that He gave to Adam and Eve to be in this kind of relationship with Him. God also gave Adam and Eve each other to have an intimate and authentic relationship with each other. He even said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And then thirdly, God created Adam and Eve with the purpose to reflect His character in creation. And after all this, God looked at everything, right? And He said, it is very good. And so God looked at this creation, that he cre- all that He created, and especially Adam and Eve, and what He, he created them to do, and the, and the relationships that He created them to have, and He said all of this, is very good. So, you can understand God's great disappointment when Adam and Eve did the most disingenuous thing. And instead of living into the authentic relationship that they have with God and what God created them to do and to have with Him, they chose to do their own thing. They acted selfishly and and they took the fruit and they ate it And they committed that first sin and consequently gave birth to the disingenuous way humanity has turned 
in our relation in the relationships that we have with God and all of the relationships that we have with with uh, each other think about think about that 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 moment of sin has changed the relationship that we have with God and, and, and the relationship we have with others and even the relationship that we have with God's creation. In the fall, the devil lies to Adam and Eve. He tempts them uh, with, with... This is so interesting. The devil, the devil tempts them with something that they already had. Now listen to Genesis chapter 3. The devil, <clears throat> the devil says to Eve, Did God really say to you that you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And the response that the devil says, is, it's so like him, right? He lies. He says, you will, certainly, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from, from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Keep your, keep your finger on verse 5. Because that is so important. The devil tempts Adam and Eve with the thought that they could be like God. But when you stop to think about it, they're already made and created in the image of God. They already reflect the goodness of God's character onto creation. And they're already in relationship with God. And instead of trusting in what God told them to do and lean into and believe God, they believed the lie. And I find it so sad that God tricked, uh, that, that the devil tricked them with something that they already had. So instead of leaning into this relationship that they already had with God, they chose to have autonomy, to do things their own way instead of God's way. And instantly, this led to the loss of authentic relationships. What happened in the garden, that, that those early moments broke what should have been something that was authentically and uniquely the relationship that God had with His creation. Because there was a loss of intimacy of the relationship that they had with each other. That was the first thing, right? What happened right after they, they ate the fruit? They realized that they were naked and they lost the intimacy of the relationship that Adam and Eve had with one another. They, they covered up themselves. And the second thing they lost was their intimacy with the relationship that they have with God. When they heard God coming in the garden, what did they do? They ran and they hid. And then, as a result of their sin, there was a loss of relationship to care for God's creation and reflect God's character onto the creation. God cursed the ground and everything from that point forward was going to be toil and difficulty. Oh, man. Uh, the, that, that, the moment of sin in this world, that birth of sin, broke the beauty of the authenticity that God had intended for mankind to have with Him. And since the fall, it has been difficult 
to recover the authenticity in these relationships with God, with each other, and with His creation. And we know, this is the thing, right? We read the Bible. We read Genesis. We know our origins, right? And we know who we were created to be. But just like Adam and Eve, we are constantly tempted to redefine authenticity to fit our own needs. And so instead of leaning into the authenticity God had created for us, we say authenticity is me being me. Or you follow this, uh, this tradition. Or whatever it is that we think authenticity is today, we have lost the anchor for what authenticity truly is, what God created it to be. So let's come around that now and, and look at what authenticity is in light of understanding this passage that we have just looked at. Because my hope for today, and my hope for today's sermon, is to help us recover or begin a journey to restore the authentic, the authentic relationship that we have with God. And so... The first step, I think, is the most important step. Because, and this step that we, we, we're, we're, I'm calling you to, to take with me is nothing new. In fact, um, it, it depends so much on, on, on the, the, the love relationship we have with God that He intended. When we look at the Old Testament, over and over again in the Old Testament, we find this cyclical journey of God's people in authentic relationship with God and then moving out of that authentic relationship. And then, because God sends people, He sends judges, He sends kings, He sends prophets, and, then, and they all come back and, and try to lead God's people back into this authentic relationship and it's cyclical where they, they, they walk away from that and they come into that and they walk away from that and finally... God sends His own Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior, our Messiah, and our Lord. To redeem the people back into an authentic relationship, a holy relationship with God and with, with us. And, uh, and, and this, this relationship that, that, that Jesus came to bring, right? He defined it so beautifully when he was asked, what is the most important thing? What is the greatest command? What is the thing that, that, that is the first and the most important thing? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. It's something you know and something I know. We've read it a thousand times. But this passage of Scripture, what we may not see, is it takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and God's intention for Adam and for Eve. And above everything else, when God created the world and everything in it, He created humanity in His own image. God loved Adam and Eve more than anything else that He created. He gave them access to Him personally. He sought them out in the garden. He had a relationship with Adam and Eve. He blessed the relationship they had with each other. 
God's intention and desire was for His image to be reflected through Adam and Eve so that they could care for all of creation. That's how important that was. You see, God created Adam and Eve to be an authentic, in an authentic, loving relationship with Him. And then the reason that this is so important is because our relationship with God feeds into all the other relationships that we have with one another, right? And if, if, if we don't have an authentic relationship with God, we're going to struggle even to, to see ourselves in the, in, in the correct light as people who are created in the image of God. Is that how you see yourself? Is that how you see the people around you? That they are also created in the image of God? I sometimes struggle with that, to be honest with you. And, and you may too. And I think the reason why is because we have lost sight of the authentic relationship that God initially desired to have with us. But when we get back to that authentic relationship with God, when this relationship with God is, is right, it helps us with this relationship that we have with one another. And then the second commandment comes to life. Love your, your neighbor as yourself. That's the second greatest command. And sometimes when we struggle with this second command, it's because, just like Adam and Eve, we want autonomy instead of leaning into who God created us to be. We want to define authenticity on our own. But let's come back. Let's come back to what God gave us in the beginning. Who He created us to be in this loving relationship with Him. And take on what Jesus has reminded us, which has been uh, uh, the prayer uh, of the Jewish people, the Shema, that they, they, they recite every day to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. Because church, I sincerely believe that this is the way forward for us in being an attractive church. There's no program or gimmick that we're going to do in this church to grow the church. There's, just, there's none. Instead, the way forward is for each person to live in authenticity in this loving relationship with God. To love God with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind. And when we all do that collectively as the body of Christ, we become authentic. And this is what makes the church so attractive. And I wanted to take a moment tonight, today to invite you into turning your heart back to God. I want to take this opportunity to allow you to pray and, and look into your own heart to ask yourself, have I lived into this message that Jesus gave us, this greatest command, am I, am I living that out in my life? Or is that just another verse of Scripture that I have memorized and, and, and that has just been a part of my thoughts here, but not here?
Because I pray that as we move forward, the authenticity that was so attractive to me when I met with the church board that captured my heart would be that same authenticity that we live out every day in our relationship with God. And that in in turn changes us to see people the way God created them to be as, as people who created in the image of God and we live in relationship with them. And that changes everything. We no longer see people. We no longer see people as our enemy. But we see people as who God created them to be. And we can enter into this relationship with them in authenticity. Will you pray with me? And join me in, in, in leaning into uh, having this authentic relationship with God today. And if you would like to, to, to respond, would you simply on your phone or wherever you're watching this, on your computer, just send a note to the church and let us know that you are responding. Let us know that you need prayer or let us know that you're going to be joining us in this journey towards authenticity. Would you bow your heads and pray with me now? Father in heaven, my prayer is that this church, Mission Church, Lord, my church, Lord, we would journey and, and make this, this, this um, trek back to who you created us to be in relationship with you so that that we're not doing our own thing. We're not choosing our own ways. But Lord, we're leaning into you. And we're leaning into, Father in heaven, what it means to be truly authentic, where, where there's an undisputed origin of where we come from and that, that makes us genuine. And let us genuinely love you in response to your great love for us. And may, may, may that, May that authentic love be the catalyst to make Mission Church a beautiful, attractive church that those who come will see that. And as we move forward in this series of authenticity, may this be the foundation that we stand on, this beautiful relationship we have with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. 